0: What's up, guys? Yo. How we doing? I'm doing great,
1: honestly. Good to hear, Cart. I feel like I I usually pull up with with some negative energy. I'm trying to switch it up a little bit.
2: (laughs) What's going on, fellas? That's a beautiful thing. What up, Sean? Uh, Not much. Just getting ready for Duke to beat Foster Lawyer, Michigan State, starting point guard tonight.
1: Stop that. (laughs) Stop that. Stop that. They, They had a game with Coppin State, dog.
2: After we yeah. just
1: talked about positive energy,
0: that's
2: not something we can start on. Sean. Hey, hey on. Stan, Stanford's
0: really good. That's positive. Stanford is actually really fun. I see your tweets about Zaire Williams. He's and so
2: good. Oh, my he's God. Nasty. He really is. They, yeah, they literally is. have five elite defenders. You don't see that often. I mean, this is a team that could go to the Final Four. Like, I'm not – I said about a lot of teams.
1: All right. No. I was I say, did Sean, have a about a lot. Sean, Sean, I'm about to pull up your tweets, and this team's going to the final four, and I'm going to print out a spreadsheet. And there's a lot.
2: There's a lot of them. I do say that a lot, but you know, this one I'm <laughs> serious about. <laughs> you know, I think a team's good and I say it, but Richmond, you know, they could.
0: Richmond could is fun to watch. I've five Richmond's seniors,
2: good. So. I, I told y'all that they're going to beat Kentucky.
0: Facts. I'll get that. Yeah, I mean. Oh, boy, I don't know where to start, Sean. You have so many teams, but I do enjoy it. At least your your number one team is the number one team in the country right now, so you can feel good about that.
2: Hey, I, I root for teams that are fun to watch. There's a lot of fun there. teams
0: to watch right now, too. Like, I, I could watch the two worst teams in the country right now and feel like it's fun to watch. That's, That's true. how I I am, College Hoops is back. Like, I, I don't like,
2: think, like, UNC is fun to watch, though. Like, I have not been all that – like, I know they had a good second half yesterday. I'm not too high on UNC.
0: Caleb Love is kind of bad. I literally just texted Carter that. He
2: struggled, yeah. R.J. Davis looks far better. Yeah.
0: Love,
1: I thought Love was going to be way ahead of where he's at right now. I I, I think he'll get it going. Yeah, I I think he's going to get it going, but I really thought he was going to be a lot better, to be honest. Uh, I was really high on him. I know when we talked about our actual – when we had our actual college hoops preview, like he was one of the players that I highlighted on this North Carolina team and like the backcourt of him and Davis I thought was going to be – Crazy, but he's uh he's taking a little bit of time. I think he'll get it going though.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean too, UNC too good not to. UNC's just got to figure. I don't think they can play all four big men 15 plus minutes a game. I think they got to set a like a more solidified rotation. And honestly, I think Walker Kessler might be like the second best of the bunch. Like he, I think he looks really good. So far. I think they need to put. I think they need to put Leaky Black back in the gulag. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got a guy. I mean, I get he's a 6'8 guard, but he's no Magic Johnson. He's terrible. I'm saying he right, can't be –
1: the, the lineup just doesn't make sense. I know I – I feel like Maxwell will agree with us. The UNC lineup just doesn't make sense. Yeah, let's get the rest Play of Walker the Kessler. Really
3: here. What's happening? Yeah, Leaky and, and Playtech get way too many minutes from my –
2: Playtech was pretty good the last few days, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's, you, you like, like his shooting. He's just like too consistent for me. I, I – I just I have my issues with Playtech, but I actually just yeah. came up to, to just ask a question in general because I was listening to another room earlier that was just talking about a, a lot of young players, and I kind of want to get you guys' perspective. Like, are we seeing a trend with not only just UNC, but um, a lot of these, like, blue blood schools where there's such a like, wealth of, of talent and, um, like like you guys just said, I mean, People, you're trying to figure out rotations. You've got too many mouths to feed. Like, it, is there starting to be a, a issue where it becomes like if you if you want to be a lottery pick, maybe mm-hmm. going to a blue blood isn't the best route because you're going to be in situations like you see with North Carolina, like you know you've seen with Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, where it's just like, you know, the, the you got a lot of talent, but it's just it's just too much, and you can't thrive as a as an individual in some of these systems that are. Um, you know, a little bit, you know, more established traditional.
2: Yeah, I agree for sure. I mean, I'll uh, say something real fast. So, but it, we're already starting to see the trend change, I feel like. I think players are starting to realize that. I mean, Cade Cunningham to Oklahoma State, Mobley to USC, Zaire Williams to Stanford, Scotty Barnes to FSU, Greg Brown to Texas, Musa C. State to Memphis josh christopher to asu i think a lot of these players are starting to realize what you're saying maxwell because it's definitely a thing if all the really good players go to kentucky duke kansas there's going to be too many mouths to feed and then they're going to end up transferring in a year
0: yeah so i think i think i agree with what you guys are saying like it's happening this year but i don't know that i agree necessarily on the cause of it i don't think it's just like blue blood dependent or school dependent I think it's roster dependent like roster fit for that individual season like North Carolina yeah, yeah I agree with Walker Kessler right now is that they have six other good bigs mm-hmm. like and I think like we've certainly see freshmen come in and get major minutes at Duke I think that's going to happen as this year continues with like DJ Stewart Kentucky has to play five freshmen right now but I don't know, like Jabri Abdurrahim is a guy. He wasn't a five-star, but he was like a really high four-star recruit that at one point was really on Michigan's radar with Beeline. He went to Virginia, and he's gotten two straight, like, DNP
2: coaches. Yeah, he's not even now. playing. They're yeah, up by 37 right now, and he hasn't checked in the game yet.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, that's not something I would say, like, it's just Virginia's system or anything, but it's the roster mm-hmm. they have this year. Like, he's fighting with guys like Wolton Tinsay, Kihei Clark. Yeah, uh, and more veteran
2: size. guys you'll lean on more.
0: Yeah, so I, that right. would be my answer is it's just, like, individual seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And,
1: yeah. And, yeah, and honestly, I'm going to piggyback on Greg. I think it's just kind of a, a situation where – you know, if you're, let's say, like a Walker Kessler coming in, you know that they got Baycott coming back. You know they got Garrison Brooks coming back. And you know they got high other high recruit bigs like De'Ron Sharp coming in as well. It's just a... It's it's kind of like a... I mean, I know Roy Williams has to kind of look into the future because, you know, next year guys like Baycott might be gone. Garrison Brooks is a senior, so there will be minutes opening up for those guys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it kind of becomes a log jam if those guys stay. and And to also... Uh, you know, comment on what you said as well, Sean. Like, it, it also depends on what the recruit really values as well. Like, to be like to kind of take the negative side of what you said. Like, I love that Cape Cunningham went to Oklahoma State, but at the same time, he's not winning shit. Like that that team oh, is yeah. not that, good. that team's not that good. You know what I'm saying? And uh Zaire Williams, even though the Stanford team is looking really good, Final uh, Four man, know, they're playing. Yeah, and you say they're final four-bound. Like, I, I don't think they're going to win anything. And
2: No, I, so think that, I think they're a tournament team. Yeah. No, well, no,
1: they're a, tur- they're, they're a tournament team. But I'm saying, like, when you go to, like, a blue blood, you know, there's there's other factors involved, like winning, mm-hmm. I would say. You know what I'm saying?
3: Hey, hey, and, hey, I, I think that's exactly what it is, Carter. My bad, Drake. I was, I was saying, You're fine. I would say, like, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, all these blue bloods are definitely embracing the one and done, but – um, at the end of the day, these coaches are still trying to win championships and I, I think that it, it worked for a while um, you know early on, but, but then again, like we're starting to see like a trend to where um, you know, some of these players aren't necessarily translating to the NBA and even you know some of these these talented teams are not as not dealing as well as you'd expect just, just in terms of the names on the team. Um, but no, I, I, just, I appreciate this perspective. Yeah,
4: yo, for sure. yo, Carter. He said, he said, Kate Cunningham's not winning shit. Yeah, because he's not allowed to win shit.
2: <laughs> well, um, <laughs> literally, yeah, okay, so. but
1: it, it, if they were allowed, they're still not winning shit. I don't
2: know. Yeah. I I think they could have been sneaky, but I don't think they would have been anything more than a Sweet Sixteen team.
1: Yeah, but yeah, it's just I. It's it's something about when those top players do go to like those they, they'll go to those small schools and then they just like. Put up their stats and don't win. It just it just doesn't really sit the best with me. That's my yeah, number I'll, one
0: pet peeve, car. You know that we've talked. Yeah, about I, I, yeah.
1: I, I mean, Greg hates it. I despise <laughs> I just, it. He despises when, like, it. Like when
0: but... a top five recruit goes to like just a random ass power conference school that like had Georgia, twelve and eighteen record last year. Like, <laughs> it just <laughs> Anthony curiously. Edwards. Yeah, it's like, and you can pick them out. There's at least one or two every single year. But oh, it's yeah. like I, I just want to see, like, the beauty of college basketball to me is, like, wasted on those high-talent guys that, like, we don't get to experience them in a real system yeah. on a but, real but, team. But hold
4: on, hold on, hold on. But can we have this conversation, though? Because a lot of times when the guys do go to random schools, like, uh, like Anthony Bennett goes to UNLV, number one pick. Uh, ben Simmons goes to LSU, number one pick. Markel Fultz, Washington, number one pick.
2: Because like, they're the best times, player on a not-good team. What, what's yeah. up? Yeah, because they're the clear best player on a bad team, right. so shows their skill set more.
4: But in terms of a personal decision like that, that almost feels like it's validated, especially when you see like a Devin Booker like go nine.
0: Um, you see like Tyrese Maxey go like in the twenty yeah, draft. But there's middle ground though, like. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, I also don't love the Kentucky model of let's get the six like best five stars that we can every single year because the years like this year where they don't get three top ten guys, like they're gonna mm-hmm. have a little bit of a down year. And it's not good for the players, like you said. It's a great point with Booker and Maxie, but like what I like I guess if I were a recruit or what I wish more of these recruits would do is like Consider the roster fit they're going to if they know they're only going for one season, and pick a school that's going to allow them to be on a competitive team, but still utilize like the superstar they are, which is like obviously very rare. Like I guess Kevin Durant at Texas is one that comes to mind right away. Carmelo at Syracuse, but like I don't know that I would say those guys you named that went one were drafted because they were on shitty teams. I think they were going to be number one as long as they went any team that like yeah. wasn't going to And you are. Right. You they could have a year
1: off and went number one probably Ben Simmons and them dudes.
3: Yeah. You could also build draft stock by being a, a good player on a on a good team too. Like yeah, Tyler like Hero. Saw, yeah, exactly. Tyler Hero. You saw with with uh, Kobe White um, mm-hmm. too. Like you can Cameron also, Johnson. I that, yeah, I think there's plenty of, of value and in, in, um, I think draft draft stock is can't. I mean, I think like like you guys said, I think it's. It's definitely not a huge factor unless you know you're you know supposed to be really good and the team is just like atrocious. but like for most people you can they, you know DeAndre Hunter, there's so many examples of players that get boosted be, from being on good teams. so it doesn't always pan out you know just joining a, a, a bad team just just for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. So I just pulled
0: it up. Seven of the last 11 years, the number one pick came from Blue Blood. Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and I guess Arizona—if you would consider them blue blood. It
2: was the so. one from Arizona.
0: Not yeah, in my and, book, Greg. Not in my book. <laughs> Not in Drake's book.
1: That's <laughs> fair. That's the that's only fair. book that matters. Yes, sir.
0: Um, so can, let's let's sort of pivot to this because one of the biggest things that's jumped out to me in all of the Week One college basketball that I've watched is how strong this year's freshman class is. I think, like, I've obviously heard all of the talk from NBA guys who are like the 2021 draft is going to be a great one. Obviously, I think all of us are probably well aware the 22 class seems like it's going to be like an all-timer in 2021, while good is not necessarily supposed to be as strong as that. But the top 10 names, I think, is really, really deep in this draft class. Guys like Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga, like, I knew they were going to be good, but he is way further along than I thought he would be right now. So I guess throwing this to you guys: like, are there any specific freshmen you've seen that have impressed you,
2: maybe more than you thought? Anyone want to go first, or should I? Sean, go first, please. All right. Uh, well, there's two that really stand out: Dawson Garcia from Marquette. He was like uh, 37th or 38th, I think. He's been Marquette's best player so far. He's 6'11". He can shoot. He's a pretty solid defender. He has a big test tonight against Oklahoma State, but he's been really good so far. You know, 6'11", guys who can shoot, you'll take that every day. He's been better than I thought he'd be to this point. And then Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. I've never seen someone that's 6'10", move the way he does. So so should
4: we lock it in right now, Isaiah Jackson, to the Knicks?
2: I think Isaiah <laughs> Jackson might go top five, honestly. Yeah. Like, so if if Patrick Williams so went top five, in. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Wait, Drake, why Why do you say that that's a Knicks pick? Like, is he lower to you than some of the superstars on the board?
4: No, that it just the CAA <laughs> contingent with the Knicks right now is like, yeah.
0: seeping, it's like seeping through. Like, you, you legitimately Get all the cannot, Kentucky
4: guys. Right, no, it, it's not even Kentucky guys. It's like CAA, Kentucky, like any of like those big Nike schools. Like, you legitimately, sure. as a Knicks fan, cannot look at another player if he doesn't have ties to, to like, those... like stipulations like it's it's ridiculous at this point
2: Zaire williams is unbelievably good Zaire williams is
1: unbelievably good i
4: think
2: he just got teed
1: up oh my god i love that that that's even better (laughs) (laughs) cart's rising him up his draft board as (laughs) he literally literally just shot into my top three right
0: there he just got
2: (laughs) teed up after a dunk that's crazy that's what i'm fucking talking about. soft refs soft
1: Hell yeah, let him know. What's the point of dunking the ball if you don't let him know you just dunked the ball? He's better throw hands at that ref, too. Coming from a dude with two career dunks. But I think, <laughs> I mean, mine is, a, mine is a little less, like, surprising. But honestly, Hunter I don't know Dickinson, if I just right? no, no, it ain't Hunter Dickinson. I don't know <laughs> if I undervalued. But I would not be surprised if Evan Mobley ends up going number one over Green mm. and Cunningham. Like, that dude is... Seriously, like I knew he was talented, but like just watching him play, it's unbelievable how how he's seven feet and moves like that. Crazy, it's like so even fluid showing, can handle so, the ball. That's what I'm saying. He's even showing the handle. He's, I mean, the jumper looks good. Like I'm, I'm falling for like the Evan Mobley. Like I'm really buying in. Like everyone's kind of penciling Cade in at that position, and, and I love Cade, and I love Jalen Green, but I mean, Evan Mobley is crazy talented so, on both ends of the floor. It, it,
4: is Jalen Green playing for, like, basketball right now? Like, what what what's going on with the uh, so, G League? So, G League.
1: So, they're playing for the G League Ignite team. I want to say they start games uh, middle of December, late December. Yeah, I
5: think. it's middle it's middle of December. They've right now the- got about a 13-game schedule. I want to say they're being led by Brian Shaw. Uh, yep. But I, I think that it's an interesting point, though, that, and, hey, guys, I hope you all are well, and uh, good luck to Michigan State tonight. Um, I, uh, I, I'm interested to see though, if, so you've got the, the G league that still is kind of up in the air about what's going to happen with it. I still think they'll make sure that the elite really get to play because that's the new, you know, thing. And the NBA really wants that to be successful as a way to promote the G league as a secondary kind of minors league. But if there's any type of COVID impact on that, I really think that you could see an opportunity for some of these players right now who were in college basketball projected into lottery. You know, two names are my balls, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. When they start getting going, and if the G League doesn't have as much opportunity to feature some of these talents that went that route instead of college, I think you could start to see some names that are in that projected late teens, early 20s maybe get into mm-hmm. the lottery if these teams don't get to see as much of the G League guys as they might like. So I think for you, what you're mentioning, Carter, about Jalen Green being that, you know, likely number two guy next to Cade, you start to see an Evan Mobley come in to that top three discussion. You start to see a few more guys in college coming to the top ten discussion. I think that'll be an interesting storyline to watch. Right, even like Bagley.
1: a guy like 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 a Marcus Bagley's just getting all this type of oh, TV yeah. time and TV oh, coverage, and scouts are just. Oozing over Marcus Bagley right now. And if you compare it to a guy who's on a G League team who hasn't even, like you said, even got some game time yet, like a, like a Jonathan Kaminga or, I mean, Isaiah Todd's not really on high lottery draft boards like that. But all I'm saying is a guy like Marcus Bagley is get, is playing right now and he's, you know, playing big time games and playing for a good top 25 team in Arizona State. So, you know, they're able to kind of build, it, sometimes it takes that that stretch of games just to build the hype train. Like it, it really can really, it, it can happen yeah. in a week. So you know, by guys playing games right now, that's helping them. As long as they're staying healthy and they're producing, that's doing nothing but helping their draft stock.
5: I yeah. absolutely love to see it in the draft. That the strength will hopefully be wing creation. The more depth and more options you have on a team that needs it, like the Grizzlies, I'm ecstatic to see what could happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You and you guys just had such a great draft, Sean. You should be excited for any draft. I was, I was just gonna say, you should go <laughs> be riding high off that.
5: <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. I'm 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 ecstatic to see what Bain and uh, you know Tillman will do. I'll, I I, I want to and Killian Tilly. Yeah, exactly, Killian Tilly was 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 say. my darling of it. I was gonna uh, say I'm no glad. slander.
1: <laughs> Undrafted
5: Killian
2: Tilly. Hey, I, I, watch watch it. <laughs>
5: Out of respect for your show, I'd love to get y'all's opinion on that. You know, whenever, but uh, but I'm very excited about it. But that that's the thing about this 2021 draft is that it's not just in watching college basketball. It's not just the fact that you have talent, but it's talent centralized in a needed area in the NBA, and that's depth in wing creators. You've got your elite guys. But you don't have, you know, those two or three other options that you could see becoming like a Jason Tatum in time, really around the NBA. In this draft, you could potentially get that. I'm not saying that your top five guys are going to be Tatums, but if an Evan Mobley turns into something like a Jaron Jackson Jr., or if Kate or Jalen to turn into someone who maybe, you know, is on the level of a, of a Tatum, you know, in three to five years. That's the type of potential this draft offers. And I think it's a big boon for the NBA and seeing it play out in college. Is
0: fun. 100%. I think you're dead on, Sean. Um, so I have a couple spin off questions as you guys answered my last question. We started talking about this that popped up in my head. First of all, I think like, you guys just named a ton of great freshmen, but I want to go back to my Jalen Suggs question because, in my opinion, I think Jalen Suggs has been Gonzaga's... Well, mm-hmm. I about to yell at me. Mm-hmm. I am going to say, I think Jalen mm-hmm. Suggs has been their best player.
2: Their best um, guard.
0: Their best guard is fair, but like it's at least a conversation between him and Timmy right now, which I was not expecting that to be the case so early. And Gonzaga, to me, is clearly the best team in the country right now. I mean, it, are you guys impressed with Gonzaga in general, or with, no. where Suggs is at compared to what you thought coming in?
4: With with with, uh, with Timmy, like we need that number twenty-four on Gonzaga to start wearing a different look because he looks way too similar <laughs> to Timmy out there. He does. It's not it's <laughs> it's not good for the eyes. I agree, but Timmy's a beast. Timmy's damn good. I mean,
2: I, the best I player in college basketball.
4: I think the combination of Suggs and Timmy, like. Like, Gonzaga's had teams in the past where you've, you've felt that, like, okay, this team can win a national title. is probably the most, you know, the most complete team was the one with Zach Collins that actually made it to the finals and, you know, lost to Max's team, you know, all that all that good stuff with Carolina. But um, I think that with this team, like, they might have the best guard-big combination that they've had under Few.
1: Yeah. I think, I really. think you got to give credit to Mark Few, too. Like, he – the way he like put this team together as well we I mean we were just talking about like recruiting and making sure like you know you you really build a team this team is so stacked it's unbelievable and not only they stacked, they just fit really really well together like they all play off each other really well and everyone was I mean except for Sean everyone was given you know a lot of guys credit people didn't even mention Kispert like and I, I think one of the better guys on the team, and I'm going to butcher his name, but Ayayi is that what it is? Girl? No, he's yeah. a stud, yeah.
2: I, I, you said he's it a right. Stud.
1: Really. Yeah, he's a stud, too. I mean, and then if all else fails, you have a guy like Watson who can play. You got a guy like um, Nebhard who can come in and play. Like it's Who started it's a, every
2: game at Florida in his two, season, that's a, that's, two seasons right. there. The,
1: the team is just completely stacked, and stacked in a way like they fit well together. They got the coaching. It, I mean, that first, the first couple of games, though it's early and it's knee jerk. Like everyone was talking about Gonzaga being that good, and it really did nothing but confirm to me that they are that good, or maybe even
5: better than I thought. Uh, they, they, they already Jets have, have crazy. They already have a lot of their questions answered, in my opinion, with the room to improve. Versus your other teams in the top ten, where you have answers you think will answer the needed questions. But aren't there yet? So I think that the, the the more certainty that you have with Gonzaga and their roster, with Timmy and subs leading the charge, you know that's what really makes them stand out. They seem to be already at a level or, or, or at another level than these other teams who could get to their level. But by the time these other teams get to their level in terms of your confidence in them, Gonzaga is already going to have been there for a while and so well positioned. They've got the depth, they've got the continuity, and they've got the elite difference makers that they can rely on in crunch times against better teams. And that's what I think stands out about them. They already are, are known to truly be the best team in the nation, and they're only going to confirm that more to the point that it's going to be hard to see anybody catch up with them once we get
0: I want to give Gonzaga some credit, too, because obviously people throw out the, well, they're not really playing anybody thing. They obviously just beat Kansas. They beat Auburn. But their upcoming (laughs) schedule, they have West Virginia, Baylor, and Iowa all before they begin conference play. That's number two and number three in the country right now. Um, So we're going to get to see Gonzaga be tested. And honestly, I would not be surprised to see them run the table going into the tournament.
2: First up, I don't know why I was ranked third. That is unbelievable to me. <laughs> Lou Garza. You have to say
5: that twice. Lou Garza.
2: I think you need to be more worried, about,
5: like, more worried about why
1: Wisconsin is ranked number four.
2: I Lou have Rick? them ranked number four. The Wisconsin,
0: who's in a two-possession game with Wisconsin Green Bay, by the way, right now on Big Ten Network. And, yes, I have
5: Green Bay plus 24 and a half.
0: We saw 30, Eight minutes we left in Twitter the first team. half.
5: Lukey. The reason Thanks, why man. Iowa is third is because the le- at the time that you know the least about these teams, you're going to go with what you know most, and that's Lou Garza right now being the perceived best player in the nation.
2: But what I you do know is that is terrible Luka Garza's on defense. Name, man,
5: Lugarza Luka Luka is really good, but that
2: like, team sucks at defense so no, badly, I, I, and they I, I don't have I, depth. I,
5: well, I saw if,
1: a good. T- I saw a good tweet about this earlier. I don't mean to cut you off, Sean, but the, if Luka Garza was playing overseas right now, people would be talking about he's a top fifteen pick. Actually, uh, Greg, I've Dude, said Lou
5: Garza totally for years, so sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, what also, wasn't he literally I, also,
0: 12th Southern, or 12th from the floor in a in a half? Okay, With but like, okay, but points? okay,
1: yeah. but, also, but, but also Southern's coaching staff and players need to be absolutely reprimanded for what they were doing on defense. I, literally, they played a six eight center and let him play straight up, no double, no dig, no nothing. All right. and, God, and I mean, he
4: just Can't, did we, can't we like? Luca Garza and not like Iowa as a whole?
1: Like,
2: can't we do better? Yeah, I do. I like Luca Garza and I don't think Iowa is that good of a team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think
5: that that's a consensus truth that many think, but you don't know a lot about these other teams
2: yet. You do know what Luca Garza is,
5: and that's probably the reason why Iowa's a bit inflated right now when it comes to the rankings.
2: I have them 15th, and I think that's, I, I struggled putting them 15th.
5: Uh, By the way, Greg, you were going through Gonzaga's schedule. Let's not hesitate to also point out the team that they were very, very energetic about getting off their schedule, and that was Tennessee. I just want to point that out. (laughs) Very fair.
0: (laughs) fair. I I don't necessarily blame them for wanting to get off to Tennessee either right now. Um, But, yeah, that's a fair call out, Sean. I just – I find myself rooting for Iowa this year because it seems like anyone who has a voice in any sort of poll in college basketball – is like very openly either against Iowa or is like behind closed doors, voting them number one in the country to promote them and get them up to the four spot. Like mm-hmm. there's no vocal Iowa supporter that I have met in the world.
2: John Rothstein. Other than
0: John Rothstein, who I think is a vocal everybody supporter. Like is John Rothstein ever said a bad word about anybody? Hey,
2: he's the worst. So we sleep, we sleep in March.
1: We
5: sleep in May. Whatever he says.
2: Yeah, we sleep in May.
5: Sean, I want to give you a shout out though because you pointed out Richmond as I being told you. a really, really good team and, and they emerged. So I'll give you a Thank shout you. out for Thank that. You. Also Thank you. I told Carter you. Carter, I want to let you know that the air hug from Tennessee is still available. I've forgiven you about your Mike Conley slander because you're <laughs> I'll
1: die on I'll die on that hill, Sean. I always have. It's been that it's been that way. You can look at my you can look at like my fifth grade report card and when I wrote what I like and what I don't like, you'll see Mike Conley
5: on there. Man, you're, I'm sorry. You're gonna, I, I, I'm sorry. That was your level of interest in the fifth grade, man. My goodness. It'll never.
1: It'll never. It'll never die.
0: All right. Should we turn towards some big games tonight? We've got the Champions Classic, our Michigan State Spartans against Duke, <laughs> and then followed by the nightcap against Kentucky. Oh boy. <laughs> let's let's go to a little bit of a preview for this game i'll sort of set the table and then i'll just throw it to you guys for initial thoughts i think i could probably guess where both sean and carter stand on this but uh duke has not impressed me their own one or their one to oh with a 10 point win against coppin state who is not good at all that's an understatement coppin state to me is one of the worst teams in the country and ken pom has confirmed that um They didn't look great. They didn't pass the eye test. They were struggling in the first half. They went on like a 20 to four run or something to pull away. And then they sort of just snoozed the rest of the game. Matthew Hurt does not look ready to make a sophomore year jump as like a featured player. I think like it's really going to come down to the two freshmen, DJ Stewart and Jalen Johnson, who both passed the eye test immediately. Those look like by far their best two, at least offensive players. Um, I think Jalen had like something like 17 rebounds in the and State game.
2: 20 and 20 i actually I think no 19 right.
0: and 19 19 and 19 so yeah, I don't, mean, me, he's,
2: don't let me round up
0: he seems <laughs> like a difference maker but i still get the feeling that this duke team is just less talented than pretty much every duke team from the last five six years so i on the flip side i have been very down on michigan state preseason um they've just done nothing but impress me so far that notre dame win i thought was great i don't think notre dame is like a terrible team by any means and that was one of the more dominant wins i've seen from like two high major schools playing each other um rocket watts started to figure some things out he looked really bad against eastern michigan zone and then he looked passable at point guard had a career high in assists in the second game so it'll be curious to see one if he plays like 30 minutes as the primary ball handler tonight against duke um or what the plan is but if he does and he looks anything like he did against Notre Dame I think I'm definitely leaning towards Michigan State to win the game tonight what do you guys think
4: um I think Foster's gonna start and I think that Michigan State's gonna lose um not because I actually think that Duke's a better team than Michigan State but just history tells us that Izzo early on in these big games doesn't really stick to like a tight rotation. He likes to like throw a bunch of guys out there, see what he's got, play with the rotations. And um you know, I think that Cheshevsky um will have a much more tighter uh rotation of guys and mm-hmm. I think that I think that they'll get it done. Um I do think that I think the lines will like four and a half or something like that.
2: Yeah, it's I four think it's
0: right three now. and a half. Oh it's four now. It. it was I, the last I saw it was four.
4: Yeah, I would. I, I mean, I would take Michigan State like with the points. Um, I think it'll be a good competitive game. But um, if I have to lean one way, I'm definitely leaning Duke. Um, what's what's Izzo's record like? Two and ten against Trzeszky, and I know we got the last one with. Um, or no, he he lost last year to him, right? Yeah,
2: we yeah got blown they were out. number one and got blown out. Yeah, no, so, they didn't I mean, get blown I- out, did they? No, yeah, he, he got was-
1: smacked last <laughs> year. Okay, got yeah, yeah. last year and Foster got stepped
2: on. Tyrese Max hit, like thirty, right? <laughs> Is that the right <laughs> game? That was oh, i was talking
4: coffee,
2: about you yeah. last year. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah.
4: The, the Foster got stepped on game. Yeah, I forgot about that.
1: Um, yeah. So yeah, I,
4: I I'm just I'm taking Strzessy in this matchup blindly. Like I don't really, it doesn't really matter. Like who the players are, who the and characters are. Um, just give me like Duke in this Michigan State a matchup over. Here. Uh, Michigan State is going to be
5: trying to figure stuff out.
2: I, I think Duke's a better team. So you can go ahead.
5: I was going to say, I think that Duke has more potential for an individual taking it over, like a Hurt or a Johnson. And if that happens, does Michigan State, especially if both of them do that, or if Stewart has the game like he did off the bench? You know, if an individual talent truly stands out for Duke, does Michigan State have a guy that can step up and do that, you know, bow or blow for blow with them? I I don't know if that's the case. But if an individual talent for Duke doesn't, like if Johnson or Hurt struggle, I think that you could see the bench play and the depth and the the several sources of of, of contributions when it comes to scoring for Michigan State. I think their depth, even though if he does experiment with lineups, that could come into play. And if they have more sources that they can have to score and the better bench play, I think that's a way that you could see Michigan State win this game. So I think it comes down to, does Duke have a Johnson or Hurt or somebody like that step up to really be the best, the clear best player in the game. And if they don't, I think it plays in the Michigan State's favor and their depth, especially from scoring, could allow for them to stay in the game. And, and yeah, I think as
2: a
0: whole – Me? I was going to throw it to Carter to give the rebuttal oh, okay. for the yeah, Michigan yeah, State yeah. side. Yeah, here. go ahead.
1: No, yeah. I would, I would, yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Uh, one – revenge comes into play here. They came into our house last year, and they embarrassed us. The scariest part of this game to me is the player who went to Duke who was thinking about going to Michigan State. Last year, Vernon Carey came in, thought he was going to State, and he busted our ass in the Breslin Center. So if anything, DJ Stewart is the one who's going to scare me this game because he had 26 against Coppin State, and they needed all 26 and all 20 and 20 from Jalen Johnson to win this game. Though it was the first game of the year, I really don't think you can overlook a 10 point game with coppin state to be honest and in points of the game they really didn't look well at all and also michigan state just as a matchup wise i think you could put a bingham on a hurt i think that aaron henry can hold his own against a Jalen johnson um i think there's a lot of pressure on duke for this game especially after that last game to come out and make a statement and to be honest i don't really think duke has that guy who can come out and have a statement game at this point. I really don't believe in Matthew Hurt to be that guy. If anybody, it could be Jalen Johnson, but I don't think he's that type of freshman, and I wouldn't bet on him to do that in this type of game, to be honest. So I will take Michigan State with the points for sure and definitely sprinkle money line. I think State wins this game. Um, Even if it comes to a point where, like Drake said, they do toy with the rotation, I think they've showed that Michigan State actually has some depth in these first two games, and, you know, you can count on – maybe a little something out of Foster Lawyer, or you can count on some guys and, you know, don't let point guard rocket break out, Greg, because it's going to be a long year if that happens. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's, that's the dream for every Michigan state fan. I actually think Michigan state in terms of just like winning this game today, I think their depth is going to be a bigger strength in this game than whatever we think Duke's depth might be. Um Matthew Hurt and Jordan Goldwire are really the only guys on Duke that have played in any sort of high-level college basketball game against like extremely high competition. And I think that's going to show tonight. Unless Stewart and Johnson have these breakout performances, which they are certainly capable of, um i wouldn't put it past them i think that's the recipe for a duke win but i also think like carter said they've got the guys defensively between henry brown and the front court players to make it tough on those two so i think i don't know i don't trust duke's end of bench guys to like be experienced role players in a tight game against a team like michigan state like if it comes down to like jeremy roach and I don't know, like Mark Williams, who's played four minutes in the first game of his career, like coming into this game. Yeah, I know Mark Williams is talented, but I don't know. I think they're going to be a little tight.
1: And an empty and an empty camera and indoor.
0: I mean, okay, so, Sean, you, you obviously have scouted all the players in this game, and you. I'm a little surprised to hear you say, like, you think Duke is clearly the more talented team. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, cause I actually am more down on just the talent level of these recruits compared to recent Duke teams. Who on this roster makes you feel confident in that statement?
2: Wendell Moore. I'm a big fan of, he, you know, struggled scoring last year, we had a wrist injury early on, uh, but he can really score. He's not a great shooter yet, but can score from the mid range and inside. But to me, the main thing is, you know, that's a lot of people's, uh, what they see uh, for Duke. And they're right in a way about recruits coming in this year, but Matthew Hurt was a top 12 recruit a year ago, I believe, and Wendell Moore, I think, was top 20. So those are two guys that usually wouldn't stay for Duke, and they did a, because they likely would have went on draft if been late second-round picks. They came back. That's not something you usually see for Duke. That's part of why I'm so high on them, because this is a more experienced Duke team than usual. You'll get back to Javin Delorier and Marquise Bolden type, but you don't get back to Wendell Moore and Matthew Hurt type, who's actually going to start for you. Sean. Completely
0: agree. Thank you, thank you. I don't know. I, I, when I picture Duke teams the past few years, or at least the good ones that have actually made runs in the tournament and, like, won the ACC, they've had, like, senior caliber starters.
3: And like, Jordan
2: Goldwire is a pretty good – he's a really good defender. He improves shooting. But, like, Javin Delorier and Marquise Bolden are that type of mold. But I think that you usually wouldn't see, like, a Wendell Moore and Matthew Hurt come back. School, I think COVID is a real reason they came back because if they had the chance to go to a combine and work out and a real draft process, I think they would have been gone. So like Duke got lucky getting them back because in a regular year, those guys aren't coming back.
4: Right, and they don't they don't have like the top end talent necessarily
2: this year, but it's still like a pretty loaded draft. Talent. Jesus, yeah, we'll what is I, that? Uh,
0: Jordan Goldwire, just I pulled up his numbers while you mentioned him is like a total net minus on the offensive end. I like uh-huh. comparing him to Michigan State's wings, I don't think Oldwire would be the like like fourth guard. best wing in this game. He would play I mean he doesn't play point for Duke though. He plays the two, right?
2: No, he started the one last game, I believe.
0: Oh, I didn't I watched a little bit of that Copen State game. I don't remember seeing him on the ball much. Um Dustin, what's up man?
6: How's it going, good sir? How are you?
0: Doing well my friend.
6: Yeah, so I'm um, interested to get your guys' uh, thoughts on DJ Stewart.
0: He's impressed me so far. I mean, I, I watched a little bit of the Coppin State game, and he was taking over during the period that I did watch. I also didn't have the highest opinion out of on him out of high school, but I, like, did not spend a ton of time researching that. I just have seen the highlights, and I was like, yeah, he'll be a good player, but he looks ahead of where I thought he would be. Anyone else want to take their, their slant on DJ Stewart?
5: It seems well, like that so Duke. So. Go ahead, Carter.
1: Oh no, I was just saying. I I I've been kind of higher on DJ Stewart. Uh, there was a time where I had an itch that he might go to Michigan State, which kind of had me following him in the high school game. And he's just one of those guys who's just wired to score and doesn't, and it always seems like there's those guys that uh, come out of high school that he doesn't really depend on athleticism. You know what I'm saying? He just really knows how to play the game of basketball and he knows how to score the ball. And he doesn't really have to de- you know, de- de- depend on, ex- you know, exceptional athleticism or exceptional quickness. He's just a bucket getter and he can really knock it down. So I was really interested to see, and the first game kind of confirmed that he could come into the college level and he can score, uh, for sure. Um, so I mean, I'm pretty high on him, but I think all the preconceived notions that I had about Duke, just to say one last thing about them are true. I think they're going to struggle. It's a, it's a underwhelming Duke team, I would think, in respects to their past team. And I think that they're still. Uh, str- struggle at the point guard position because I don't think Jeremy Roach is the answer, and Goldwire is not the answer either, but he's also not a point
5: guard, as Sean pointed out. Well, I think the answer then, you know, not necessarily an answer to make them a national title contender, but is finding, you know, those nuanced advantages like Stewart showed he could do. I watched the highlights of the Coppin State game, and the thing that stood out to me about Stewart is you don't really have, you don't really see these consistent off-the-bench microwave scores in college like you do the NBA a lot of times. He seemed like he could do that and do it consistently. And so if he in any way, shape, or form, I I know you got to consider the competition, but if Duke finds themselves in these games where they're behind or their starters are not on the level of their competition like they could tonight, but then Stewart comes in and really is an advantage in the second unit off the bench, you know, to start the season, that's where Duke could create an advantage for themselves and really stay in games or gain a lead against, you know, better competition through the you know instant scoring ability of Stewart. I think him coming off the bench as a sixth man is a situation where you match a talent like he is in a role where he really could blossom and add immediate value. And that could be a true advantage for Duke You know, as the season.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. It'll be an interesting game, no matter what, it always is. Uh, as Drake mentioned, Coach K has historically gotten the better of Tom Izzo through their careers. Um, and let's not forget that this should be played on a neutral site, but we are playing in Cameron Indoor because Coach K will get his way whenever he wants to in the world of college basketball. Carter, what's the over under on Foster Lawyer Minutes tonight?
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I think he's going to get over over 13 minutes. Oh, for sure. Way more. Way more than
2: 13. I I, I would say over under like 22 and a half.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Oh, hell no. I hope not. He's, get, he's getting a two.
6: He's getting the two as his this, first number.
1: This, this ain't a Foster game, but if Duke comes out in his the zone, then we might need to play Foster like 30 because he's, he's he's our zone specialist.
6: He's a zone killer. Foster! <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so quick question, guys. Like, have you guys talked about the UNC-Stanford game at all?
0: A little bit at the beginning. Sean loves Stanford.
6: Uh-huh. Yeah, I Big mean <clears throat> Stanford came out strong in this game, but they're, they're down three to North Carolina, but they're unranked, and you know, <clears throat> I mean, you know, being competitive with a with a ranked North Carolina team is very interesting. Uh, Zaire Williams is showing some like high level flashes, but still very raw on the offensive side. I feel, but um, but I mean, ten minutes left to go in the second. Who do you think is going to advance to the finals? Stanford, UNC. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it's hard. Up, UNC uh, with a
0: three-point lead right now, it's hard not to say UNC, but it's this is playing out sort of how I thought it would. I feel like UNC is overrated at 14 and Stanford is underrated. They probably should be a top 25 team. So I would be surprised to see either team win at this
1: point. Yeah, also, oh. I just I, also I haven't been able to watch the um, most of the second half, but I'm looking at the box score right now, and I can just tell that Caleb Love just is just forcing. There's no way he has 17 shots right now.
6: With ten minutes left in the second half.
2: Yeah, he's crazy. not playing well. Yeah.
6: Jesus. Man, okay. Yeah, he he really he's really having a hard time shooting the ball, but it's it's not surprising because you know, when I mean uh leaky black really doesn't have any type of like offensive chops. I mean you know, it's basically like Andre Roberson, but like a worse defender and you know, maybe a little bit better ball handler. I mean, oh,
1: Andre, Andre Roberson, but not a good defender, is, is an awful basketball
6: player. Right. And, and look, like, I mean, you know, look, Leaky Black is athletic, you know, in terms of, you know, the the college game. But he's just – he's not – I mean, he's not – he doesn't provide any value on, on the offensive side and, you know, um, just kind of a big body out there at that wing spot. And then, you know, um, R.J. Davis is really the only other guy, you know, that that can do a little bit of something – and, you know, I mean, they're relying on play tech. I mean, play tech is, you know, largely a non-factor. And then they, they're always playing these two big lineups. Like, for example, right now they have Dayron Sharp and Walker Kessler out there. So, I mean, it's no surprise to me that Caleb Love is going to take a lot of shots. And and this is largely the reason why Cole Anthony, you know, kind of got the chucker label. Um, You know, look, that's going to happen when you're running two big lineups.
0: Yeah, very true.
6: Roy loves his
0: bigs, and he also loves his wings, who are a little bit of liabilities offensively. Leaky Black is like Theo Pinson to me, but without Theo's passing ability. Like, and even that felt like they were playing five on four sometimes throughout Theo Pinson's career on the offensive end. So Roy has his archetypes, and when he gets the pieces to fit together perfectly, North Carolina can be very, very good. But when the pieces are just a little bit off, I feel like you see what happened last year a little bit.
6: Yeah, but, boy, Caleb, Caleb Love thinks he's like Derrick Rose or something, right? I mean, he just tries all these, like, crazy finishes at the basket, but it's just, he just can't ever finish because the paint is always packed. And, you know, um, but you can, you can certainly see the upside of him, you know, uh, good size for the point guard position, really strong, good athlete. Like, I mean, I, I really like Caleb Love. Um, I just think he's in a poor developmental context with UNC.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, all right, I want to hit on before the end of this because we got about 11 minutes left, and then we got the Cal League Colleagues room coming up at 6 p.m. Everybody should jump over there. Keaton, if you want to jump up and let everybody know what your room's going to be about tonight, I think that'd be dope, too. I'm going to invite you up if you can talk right now. Um, but before we get there, I do want to talk about the nightcap of the Champions Classic Kentucky-Kansas tonight. From my eye, what I've seen of those two teams this year, I feel like they both have a lot to figure out still. Kansas kept the Gonzaga game, though, really competitive throughout most of that game until about 10 minutes left. And that did surprise me. I didn't think Kansas was going to be as sure of themselves identity-wise to be able to hang with a team that can hang 100 on anybody like Gonzaga. So I think I'm leaning Kansas as the better team between those two teams tonight. B.J. Boston, I think, could go for 40 any given night, though, based on what I've seen so far. He's another name we didn't mention when we talked about the freshmen that have looked good so far. Um, what are you guys most excited for in the in the nightcap game tonight, Carl? Let's throw it to you first.
1: Uh, I think I'm just most excited just to see the wing matchup. Um, I would love to see Marcus Garrett actually guarding a lot of BJ Boston tonight. I think that's a really good matchup with Garrett being the one of the best, maybe the best on ball defender in college basketball, and then BJ Boston a top five, you know, NBA lottery level talent and just an unbelievable score which i believe he's shown his arsenals look crazy in this first two games uh but i think that like you said gee there needs to be some value put onto how gonzaga played i'm sorry not gonzaga how kansas played against gonzaga um I, when our preview we talked a little bit about how kansas was a little underwhelming with this roster but you got to give them credit they you know they hung with gonzaga and they played no, pretty well and, and put up those points so uh if i'm leaning one way in this game i'm leaning kansas
5: yeah the thing that stands out about kansas to me that really is an advantage i think on the offensive end it's who's going to get more consistency especially is it going to be the wings of kentucky the front court with the with their bigs and their wings versus the guards of kansas and what really stands out to me is is the clear advantage Kansas has from beyond the three-point line. 17-38 to 38 in their first two games versus 6-26 for Kentucky. And Kansas, obviously, has played the better competition. And that really is something that's going to potentially be a flaw for Kentucky because it's really not a strength of their team as far as three-point shooting goes. And when you're matching the strength of Kentucky to get the twos versus the strength of Kansas to get the threes, that's an advantage for Kansas all day. Plus, they have that third scoring option as well out on their guard, out on the perimeter, whereas Kentucky right now, it seems to be that it's Clark and Boston. Now, Kentucky may be able to overcome that if they can get their wings out to defend the three. But how consistently can you do that? I don't know. So I think it's going to come down to which unit is more cohesive in terms of their consistency, consistently, consistency offensively, either the guards for Candace or the forwards and bigs for Kentucky. And I think for Kentucky to be able to answer that question to make a difference, it is B.J. Boston going off. I think this is a game where he needs to make a statement. If he doesn't, I think Kansas takes the win. And I think that their outlook, especially with how they played against Gazaga is far prettier than you may have thought before the season if they win this game tonight. But I link Kansas.
6: Yeah. Um, go ahead, Drake.
4: Nah, take the four. I'll go after
2: you.
6: Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just to echo what I think it was Carter who was talking about the wing matchup, you know, in the guard matchup is what's most interesting to me. I mean, um, I I really think that, uh, we're going to learn a lot about, you know, Brandon Boston tonight. Um, because I mean, look, like Okai Egbaji and Marcus Garrett are two guys who are really strong. You know, have a lot of length. Um, I, I really, really high on Garrett this year. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see how you know Brandon Boston, you know, plays against this Kansas defense. And you know, I'm going to be looking forward to to see how uh you know Marcus Garrett and and Okai Igbaji, you know play tonight um in this game because they're two guys who ha- also have a lot of uh, upside. Played really well in the year last year. Um, and then I know, you know, Kentucky has other guys um, that I really like. And uh, Devin Askew and, and uh, Terrence Clark, um, you know, I haven't, got to see, I haven't got to see any of these guys play yet, just some highlights. So uh, v- looking forward to um, seeing how these players are going to look in, in, a, in a big game tonight.
4: Yeah, um, I definitely echo a lot of that. Um, you know, living in, in Lawrence, I'm learning a lot more about just like Kansas' program in general. Um, the residents here like aren't super high on this Kansas team, which I'm kind of a little shocked about. Like this this really does be like a prototypical Kansas team. Like they they have like the really good point guard in Marcus Garrett, like South teams very similar to like Izzo teams, like they take a little bit to get going. I thought they played really good against Gonzaga, all things considered like Gonzaga's way further along in their process right now, like as a potential national title team right from the jump and I is going I think Kansas is going to have to take a little bit of time to get to that point, but I think overall like if i 'm going to take a game tonight, I think I like Kansas the most like Kentucky seems like much more of a project, like yeah, they have a couple of guys that can go off and really lead them, but um, in terms of like having a game tonight big time, you know, crowd, national TV, the whole, the whole shebang. Like I just, I, I trust Kansas right now. Like I think that they have the leadership in place. They don't have the, the, like the superstar talent necessarily, but I think they're in a much better position to take home a big win tonight than, than Kentucky is.
6: Yeah. I, I just want to jump in and say real quick. Um, I forgot that Olivier Saar was on this team. I did catch him in some highlights and he looked really, really good. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see, you know what he can do tonight uh i do is he the starter for uh, mm-hmm. kentucky yeah he is he yeah. uh he
0: really struggled in kentucky's first game because i was with you dustin i i expected him to step in and be really polished looking and i had not seen much of him before in his previous stint he looked bad i think he
2: was he what, struggles um, finishing
0: wasn't, wasn't he like oh for seven from the floor or something sean it was bad
2: uh he struggled early, but I think he had a few buckets late against Moorhead State. But against Kentucky, he was really or against Richmond, he's really good early, but did virtually nothing in the second half.
1: Interesting.
0: I will say from the little I've seen of this Kentucky team so far, they look strikingly young. Like mm-hmm. obviously all Coach Cal teams look really young, but like this feels like his youngest team yet. They're not a lot other than Boston, they're not a lot of guys that you look, look at ass. like they're clear NBA
5: guys to me. And if they're yeah, struggling super young. If they're struggling this much shooting the ball as well, I just don't see just a ton of shooting potential out there like you would see on a normal Kentucky team, in my opinion. That gives that makes me excited as a Tennessee fan. I still think Boston has the potential to be the best player in the SEC at least. But I just don't see this Kentucky I don't feel like on this Kentucky team like you've seen in the past, they struggle early shooting. They'll figure it out as time goes on. I don't think that they're ever going to be more than an average shooting team this year, in my opinion, and I think that that is something that could be a fatal flaw for them. By the way, I got to set to, to rattle off real quick:
4: Duke in the Champions Classic is six and three. Kansas is four and five.
0: Kentucky is five and four, and Michigan State is three and six. Hashtag stats, we love it, Drake. Great contribution, mm-hmm. um, Keaton. While you're up here, real quick, I know you got to jump for your room in a second, but give the plug of what you guys are talking about today with the Cali College Show.
7: Yeah, we've got uh, a number of minor league broadcasters and some other people that work around the
0: minor league industry because there's been a, a ton
7: of news over the last week uh, about some of the minor league and player development um, shifting going on around the player development system. So we've got a big fight in Fresno between AAA and Major League Baseball. We've got a, a brand new league out in the Northeast, and uh, we found a way to keep some baseball um, in the, the mountain time zone. So we're going to kind of talk about that and just try to gather up some of the news. Um, I'm going to be watching Michigan State and Duke tonight for sure. I'm just excited for the game. You guys are way more uh, knowledgeable about every little matchup than I am, but I'm just excited for some fun basketball. And then uh, tomorrow I got the women's game uh, at Michigan State too. They're playing Detroit um, in the, the second game of the season. They got an all-conference guard, Nia Cloud, she's great, and uh, Kendall Bostic. Is, uh, is the freshman who just put up 15, uh, 15 points in her first game. So we got a lot of that going on and a lot of great basketball. And uh, I've enjoyed your guys chat. I just I enjoy hearing you guys
0: talk. Hey, always good to hear you up here too, Keith. And, and I'm very jealous of you because you're one of the few humans who gets to set foot inside the Breslin Center right now. Um, so yes. you know, I'm living vicariously through you.
7: Please. Yeah. Well, so our game tomorrow is at seven o'clock Eastern. Um, I'm down to jump in or jump on here real quick and just say what's up around like six o'clock. I'll just tell you guys what it looks like, man. I mean, literally live from the (laughs) Breslin Center. Nobody else gets to do that. You guys got some time tomorrow, like six o'clock. We can do something like that. I would love nothing
0: more.
7: It's awesome,
6: Keaton. All
0: right. Um, I'm gonna go jump into my room. Love hearing you guys talk. Uh, And uh, yeah, much love. Sounds good. We'll be in there shortly. All right. Before we jump over to Keaton's room, real quick, I do want to do this as like a little recurring segment for the show that we'll do every Tuesday. Um, let's give our running Final Four takes. And Sean, you can only name four teams in this segment. You cannot name twelve. All
2: right. So- well, I mean, you never know. I mean, there's a lot of contenders. I mean, but I know.
0: So if the if I'll the Final four. four was decided today, what's your Final Four, Sean?
2: Obviously, Gonzaga, Baylor. Uh, Richmond, I will put in that mold. I think they could make the final four, and then I'll go with Kansas.
0: Richmond. Okay, I, li- I knew there's going to be at least one bold answer, and Have I to. was not expecting Richmond, but I love it. Uh, Cart, you want to go next?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Gonzaga, Baylor, Virginia, and then my sleeper pick, who I'm getting on board right now, is the Houston Cougars. Ooh. Oh, yeah, they're good we didn't mention yeah, they, their win
0: over texas tech they I,
1: I just awesome. want I, yeah i don't want to go into it because we're at the end here but gee like that, that houston team is like the prototypical like make Bice a run team. and marsh team like the guards like they talk that shit they got great guard play jerome uh grimes sasser they got some hard working bigs they play hard as hell i mean yeah, I love that team. Caleb Mills, the, some freshman named Tremont Mack, I think is his name. Like, Mark. I love that. I, Mark, yeah, Tremont, Mark. Thank you, Sean. That's why I love you, Sean. And <laughs> Thank I, you. Thank love, you. nobody's love, ever told me that. So I, hey, I love that. Houston, <laughs> I, I love that Houston team. So I'm on board right now for the Houston to the Final Four. Kansas could really use Quentin Grimes tonight. That's for sure.
0: Dustin, um, while you're up here, you want to give us a quick Final Four take?
6: Yeah, so um, definitely Gonzaga, uh, Baylor. I think those are the two staples. And then at the three and four spot, I am going to go with um, Duke, and I'm going to go with – this this fourth one is tough, but I think I'm going to go with uh, Illinois.
2: Yeah, I like that a lot.
6: Illinois is a good pick.
2: Zaire Williams
6: is so good, by the way.
0: You beat me to the punch with Illinois, Dustin. I'm with you guys on Gonzaga and Baylor. Those seem like consensus ones right now. I'm going Illinois with my third spot. And in my fourth spot, I'm taking the loser of the Houston Cougars game. I actually have been impressed with Texas Tech so far. They look really rough offensively, but I think Chris Beard is going to figure it out. And I have my eye on the Red Raiders.
2: Mac McClung looked Uh, terrible in that game. Yeah, He looked
0: bad. He looked bad. He Uh, looked very good in the first two games.
6: I, I just want to I just want to point out real quick like Stanford is up uh sixty to well now it's tied 60, it's tied, 60. yeah yeah it's tied up I mean this game is going to go down to the wire I mean this is yeah this is the problem with playing two big lineups um <laughs> but yeah you, I mean uh but no I mean Zaire Williamson um you know or Zaire Williams I'm sorry you know has has looked really good um Dejon Davis has been a really nice steady veteran presence at that point guard spot. Um, we thought we were going to lose, uh, you know, uh, Bryce Wills because he landed on his what looked like tailbone and walked back to the locker room, but, like, immediately came back out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, this has been a fun game. Um, do you, are you guys changing your picks at all, or are you, are you guys still rolling with uh, the same picks as to who's going to make it to the finals?
0: I'm I'm sticking with my same four for now, but I do have my eye on Stanford right now because they look
6: Stanford's really good. Sanford's good. And a uh,
2: quick little uh, – a uh, little thing I said on the podcast I do. If you want to follow my Twitter, you can see what that podcast is. But I did say with my podcast partner that Stanford against Texas would be the finals for the Maui Invitational. So, just saying. Wow. Sean, yeah. with the y'all, insight. Y'all got
0: to listen to Sean. Uh, Make the Madness podcast. It's a thank great you, listen. I am a subscriber. It's a phenomenal oh. podcast. So, we're going to steal him and get him on our show whenever we can. Hey, love to. All right. Any last words, y'all, before we jump?
1: I wish Zaire Williams was in Stanford's next recruiting class, so I could see him, Issa Silva, and Harrison Ingram play together.
6: That's the last. Thing that I'm would saying. be fun. Maybe he'll stay yeah. for two years. Be the first oh, pick hell, next oh. year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like give a give a quick shout out um, to Sean for you know really being that guy to lean on for. You know, like college basketball analysis, um, very well versed on many, many teams and many, many players. And so, you know, far more knowledgeable than I am uh, about the college basketball scene. So uh, definitely want to echo the sentiment that you should definitely follow Sean and definitely, you know, listen to his podcast because he's a very smart guy. Appreciate that.
0: Yes, sir. Deshaun Love goes around and around in these parts (laughs) in the locker room app. Uh, We'll be back next Monday. Carter and I will be for Money Monday for our gambling show. And then next Tuesday, same time, same place, for College Hoops Weekend Review. Thanks to everybody for listening. Saw a bunch of names in here. Saw Lee, Will, Howard, Brian, John, Courtney, Jared, Travis, Maxwell, Ethan. We appreciate you. Super fun. I'm going to go jump in the Cali colleagues room. Peace. Peace. You guys.